Like if somebody's trying to do that thing and you're telling them how long it's going to take, and you're telling them what it's going to cost and you're telling them what the outcome's going to be in that one little sentence. It, it's stupid simple. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Mark DeGrasse here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Welcome everyone to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm Mark DeGrasse, President of Digital Marketer and your host. Today I have a very special guest, Christina Hooper, CEO of Sparkative. She helps people turn superpowers into sales. Welcome, Christina. Hey, happy to be here. So before we got on the podcast, we were actually kind of discussing, you know, different hot topics for your business specifically. And we got on the subject of kind of headline products and, you know, other event naming, which is actually a, a very specific topic. And you seem to run into it all the time. Yeah, I do. Surprisingly, that's one of the first questions a lot of people ask me. That's so funny because, you know, most of the time you think you start the business and that's when you name the stuff. But for a lot of people, I think it's <laughs> it's more uh, evolutionary, we'll call it. So what types of businesses do you tend to work with and, and what are the, the headlines that you come up with? Uh, we tend to work with B2B service providers, so coaches, marketing agencies, things like that, like people who are delivering services to businesses. They're always chasing some kind of shiny, right? Like there's always some marketing guru who's saying that you should do this thing. So they dive in and they're like, I should do that. I should create a challenge. I should create a quiz. I should create a webinar. I should start a blog. I should. So there's all these things from like, you know, even email subject lines, you know, where people put a ridiculous amount of thought into what they should call the thing. Like it is astounding to me. People will spend weeks trying to figure out like what to name their quiz or like I've talked to one guy who spent like two days trying to come up with a title for a blog. He had the blog written. It was a good blog, but he was like going back and forth on the title for like two days. It was crazy. That's so funny. I think it's easier for people to get in their head because it's just such a, a visible thing they're doing and they don't want it to be unprofessional. I always say like, where are people going to click on? You know, do you have kind of like a set of uh, checklists that you go through to, to figure out the name? Yeah. I mean, one of the very first things I always ask people is like, what's the outcome? You know, if it's a blog article, what are they going to get by reading it? If it's a book, what are they going to get by reading it? If it's a challenge, what are they going to get by showing up? Like, what's the end result when it's over? What is the outcome? And most people can't answer that which is surprising to me. So it's like, I think that's the biggest reason why we struggle with titles is because we haven't really thought through like, okay, how are we getting someone from A to B? You know, digital marketers speak, the transformation, the before after grid. Like you almost run the before after grid on anything you're creating really quickly. 
and the title kind of starts showing itself once you do that exercise. So I think it's really powerful. Awesome. Well, let's talk about the before and after grid because that's actually, if you talk to our certified partners, they will always quote that. They're like, this is it. Like, I want to shoot a video on this. And I'll be like, we have like 50 videos on, on before and after. <laughs> but for the <laughs> listeners, <laughs> what? how do you describe the the before and after process? It's really talking about how you're taking someone from A to B. I mean, that's the simplest way to explain it. It's like they came in with something going on in their head. And then by the time they get done with whatever your shiny thing is that you're creating, they've moved somewhere forward. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge transformation. Like, you know, maybe you're a level 10 on this topic and that's why you're struggling to talk to a level two. And your piece of content that you're creating or thing that you're putting together is going to take them from two to two and a half. Like, that's not a huge transformation. It's not going to make them like instantly so much better at all of the things but it moved them from two to two and a half like they moved forward you know and that's the important thing that everything you put out in the world has to do so that's the purpose of the before after grid how do you explain we went from two to two and a half or two to three or two to five maybe if you're doing something really cool like if you've got a huge big thing you're putting together maybe it does take them from two to five you know but that's the purpose of that little quick exercise but like don't get in your head too much. Like if you're trying to write a title for a blog article, don't spend two weeks filling out a before after grid for a blog article. You know what I mean? Like you got to just do it really quickly, just off the top of your head, not people get in their head on stuff too much. Oh yeah. Well, especially well, with article topics, you could go a bunch of different directions in terms of, you know, should I worry about SEO? Should I worry about, you know, my target market? You know, who, who is it talking to? For that specific case, let's say the article for say your client that can't decide on a title. How would you use it in that specific situation? I mean, literally, you know, go from X to Y can be your title. Like people try and get really cutesy with titles, like really, really cutesy. Like maybe someone's trying to write a book and you're trying to explain how to write a title for a book. And like literally the blog article might be how to write a title for a book. Sounds You know, how to write a title for a book in three easy steps or whatever it is. But it's like, we don't have to get cutesy. The more specific it is, you know, and if you're doing it like before after grid formula, it might be like how to stop overthinking and create your book title today. Mm-hmm. Like that's your transformation. And it's so clear and to the point and direct that most people are like, oh, that's not punchy enough. For the person who is overthinking and struggling to write a book title, it's exactly punchy enough. <laughs> well, I think people are funny too, because they're thinking of like, oh, well, if somebody shares this on social media or well, if I share it on social media, And I always say, like, you could call the headline whatever you want on whatever platform you want, and the article still be the article. So you could test these things out and find out what works and what doesn't. But for you, I know you work with a lot of the the online challenges. So, and that can be tough, I know, because there are so many challenges and you want it to be unique, but you want people to understand what it is. Walk me through that process of specifically like, well, let's, let's, I'll give you an example. So at the upcoming Certified Partner Training Day, we're going to do a five-minute pitch competition. So it's kind of, you're going to submit like your best tip, and then we're going to evaluate the tips and the potential effect, and then there you go. And we came up with, I think, a cutesy name. <laughs> But if it was you targeting, you know, specifically marketers for a digital marketer, how would you walk us through that process of naming the challenge? Well, naming a challenge is really easy. Learn how to do X and Y days for price. I mean, that's the formula all the time. Now you can play with learn how to, like discover how to or whatever and add like three easy steps or something like that. But it's literally learn how to do X and Y days for price. So learn how to 
write a book title in three days for free. Learn how to write a blog article title in three days for free. Like if somebody's trying to do that thing and you're telling them how long it's going to take, and you're telling them what it's going to cost and you're telling them what the outcome's going to be in that one little sentence. It, it's stupid, simple. <laughs> okay. So you keep it, you keep it simple. You don't, you don't get complicated with like, I don't know, relating it back to the brand title or any of that kind of stuff. You just, so the best, you know, practice is just say what it is and how long it's going to take. Yeah. Cause I mean, they don't care about the brand yet. Right. I mean, it's like even the same thing, like when I do episodes for my own podcast, you know, most people start with who are you and what do you do? And I won't do that until the end no, because smart. people don't care who you are, or what you do. Like we have to have a conversation. Now they're like, okay, you're kind of cool. Now I care. It's the same kind of thing with a lot of the content that you're putting out in the world. Like they don't care that you're this like genius person at doing your thing. And you've been at it for like 25 years and you've helped thousands of people and you're a genius at it. They don't care. They want to write a book and they need a title and they're overthinking it. You know what I mean? Or they're it, whatever. I mean, that's why so many of these challenges work is because people have a very specific thing that they're trying to solve. And they don't want to devote a whole lot of time into it. So a three or five day challenge is going to solve this thing they've been marinating on for like weeks and weeks and months. Oh, that's fantastic. Done. Sign me up, you know? Well, I think that's a really important distinction that you said, you know, when you started your explanation is that, you know, they don't know your brand and they don't care about you. You know, they're just trying mm -hmm. to learn how to write a title. Just tell them that. And I think that goes into, you know, in terms of the, the customer value journey we always talk about, the awareness stage. Like if all you're trying to do is get, you know, 5,000 people to, to be aware of your brand, then give them that answer, making it customer first instead of you first. So seems obvious, yep. but always. But I think for, for most people, it's like, no, why would they listen to me? It's like, well, because you, you wrote some content. That's, that's why they're listening to you. If you have a good title, right? Yeah, I had one, a story brand guy told me something one time that just really clicked for me on that one. They said that essentially you're trying to sell to a whole bunch of narcissists that only care about themselves. Oh, that's actually, that's a very simple way to look at it. I mean, like that's, yeah, I mean, that's basically who our clients are. They care about themselves and the thing that they're trying to do. And I mean, that's not to say that they're bad humans or actual narcissists, but when it comes to marketing, like, yeah, kind of. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, Until they're, you give them a reason to care about you, then <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's it's you're jumping the you're trying to jump the line, right? You're saying like, okay, they're going to care about this content because I said it or my brand said it, and that's why it's important. Versus, no, they're just trying to find a solution, offer the solution, problem solved. Yeah. I mean, eventually you turn them into raving fans and then they start to actually like, you know, I mean, like I consume almost everything Digital Marketer puts out because, you know, now I'm drunk on the Digital Marketer Kool-Aid, so I'm good. But like before I knew who Digital Marketer was, I would, it was just another website with another blog doing another thing with another resource I could download. Like it didn't, that name didn't mean anything until I had gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. And that's a much, <laughs> that's pretty far along. We always say like, oh, it's seven impressions to, you know, make any kind of real impression on somebody. In terms of this process, I'd say, I don't know, 50 to 100. And then then maybe you'll subscribe and start going into it. And I think it's it's two different stages. So, you know, mixing those two up is is very bad. So so in terms of the, the challenges and, and things that you help brands name, do you always consider that kind of an awareness function? Yeah, most of the time. I mean, it's once somebody is aware of your brand, they're kind of drunk on your Kool-Aid, they're good to go, then you don't have to worry as much about naming your things because your name carries weight. 
which I think is one of the challenges when we're taking advice from these gurus that have the name and they've had their name for like 10, 15 years. You know, Tony Robbins put something out. You don't question if it's good. He could call it anything. He could call it like Tony Robbins guide to tying your shoes and you're going to, you're going to consume it because it's Tony Robbins, right? Like there's a point where they kind of have forgotten mm-hmm. how hard some of that stuff is because they haven't, you know, their stats and they're like, Hey, I did this and it worked for me. And I'm like, okay, great. But you're you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you can do almost anything and it's going to work like, but I'm me and not everybody knows who I am. So I have to try a little harder. (laughs) So it's like, if we try and dissect what somebody like what they did and it worked and we reverse engineer their titles and reverse engineer their strategies. And that doesn't mean it's going to work for you because you're not them. No. And that's, I think that's a very important distinction. Like you, you are, you don't have that clout, at least with strangers to pull in, you know, the people you need to, to grow. So I think that's, that's excellent advice. And it, especially with the, the articles as well, because I think for the articles, especially if you're very knowledgeable about the subject, you want the title to be sophisticated and show how smart you are. And, and what I always told my clients was like, okay, you're not targeting your competitors because your competitors and other professionals like you will care about your fancy title. You know, Joe Schmo, who doesn't know anything about your subject matter, won't even understand your title. So in, ter- in terms of that title writing, do you go with, you know, kind of targeting the 95% by simplifying the title or is it just dependent on the situation? Yeah, I don't really think you can oversimplify a title. Like there's no way to get it too simple because like the plainer the language is, the more to the point that it is, the better it's going to perform most of the time. Like it's very rare that it wouldn't perform. If you go to overcomplicate it and like use the fuzzy things, like learn how to reach your goals in five easy steps. You don't know what my goals are, and I don't know what you do, so I can't draw the connection. Maybe my goal is I'm not going to eat the entire box of Thin Mints tonight. You know what I mean? Like, maybe that's my goal, but you're a business coach. And in my head, when you say goal, I'm thinking Thin Mints. So I'm not I'm not connecting, you know? And it's like you just don't know where someone's at, so you just can't use the fuzzy language. You have to be really simple. Well, simple and specific at the same time, right? So if it was the goal subject line, you said like five ways to accomplish your career goals or, you know. Yeah, it's like that doesn't mean anything to me really. It's like, okay, great. What career goals? Uh, What do you know about me? But it's like, yeah. It's like even that would be still maybe a little fuzzy, I would think, because it's like, okay, well, what are like marketing career goals? I'm having to expend like a lot of mental calories to translate that into something that I would immediately recognize. Email marketing career goals in 2022. How to get more people to open your emails in 2022. Ah, that, that's way better. <laughs> way more specific, right? Because it's like that speaks to a specific problem. Again, we're talking like before and after grid, like what are you trying to do? Why do you have email marketing career goals? Because you want to sell more of your thing using emails. How to sell more coaching programs with email marketing. How to sell more quizzes or whatever you're trying to sell with email marketing. Like that speaks to a very specific problem instead of just something that's big and obscure and like, because people don't really want to expend too many mental calories on like a social post, on a blog title. They do a Google search, they're skimming the titles. I'm not going to expend a lot of mental calories on this. It's just something I'm going to like fly through really quickly. And the one who speaks to me with the fewest mental calories, I'm going to click. I love that. The mental calories concept. 
So in terms of, well, let's just get into email marketing then. So email subject lines, that's always, that's actually one of our top kind of downloads is 101 email subject lines that we used in this year to make this many, you know, clicks. How do you walk people through that? Because we've had, we've done a few different things, but what's the, the basic explanation for how do you write an email subject line? Yeah, same strategy. Again, it's people overthinking titles. Right. So it's like, what's the purpose of the email? Why are, why do you deserve to be in their inbox? What are you going to help them do with the email? And it's like, that is your subject line. Like, I'm going to help you learn how to get more email opens in 2022. I'm going to click that subject. Line. It's so straight and simple and to the point. And if I'm struggling with getting more email opens, I'm going to click that. Like, it doesn't have to be cutesy. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes broad. the cutesy works. You can get away with a few cutesies, but it's only really from recognized brands. Like Digital Marketer puts out like some really cutesy subject lines and I will click them because it's Digital Marketer mm-hmm. and it's Ryan Dice's photo sitting right there next to the cutesy subject line and saying something cute. And now I'm like, okay, well, that's Ryan being Ryan. Of course I have to go see what's <laughs> up, you know? Yeah. So, and I mean, I think that's a good point too with email. It's like, depends on who you're sending it to, right? If you're sending it to your community of raving fans, it knows who you are. Like if digital marketers sending it to their CPs or their lab elite coaching members or, you know, whatever we've got going on, like they know who you are. You can be a little cute, but if you're sending it to the cold list that downloaded your email subject line thingy, you know, and that's the only interaction they've ever had with you. Well, I mean, Ryan Dice's photo being cute is not going to get the same open rates. You've got to have value to the email. No, that's, that's a great point. And actually, I just talked to Richard and Ryan yesterday and I, I said, you guys got me again. Because I think the subject line was, I fought Ryan and I won. Is what, and it was from Ryan. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you guys, when you send those emails to me, I assume they're for me. Because <laughs> I run <laughs> your company. <laughs> and they're like, you should be opening all the emails anyways. <laughs> I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. well, I mean, that's a great example of why you can't just download those lists of like the top email subject lines or the top, like there was a whole presentation I watched on emojis and like the top five emojis that get the most open rates or like it was the amount of time we put into some of this stuff. When you're a small business owner trying to do like a thousand things and you just need to get an email out, simple and direct is always going to win. Even with your existing audience, like simple and direct is going to win. You know, they're going to know why they should click the email. So it's fine. No, I think people get caught up in those stats. And then, you know, you always, you know, as marketers, we're doing this stuff constantly. So then when you have a hit, you're like, oh my gosh, I figured it out. This one works. And then you try to teach it to everybody else, but it was all dependent upon the brand value and the brand voice and the thing you were selling and the subject matter. And then it goes into all this stuff. But people do like emojis. I've, I could totally believe yeah. somebody would speak about that and everybody would be like, yeah, oh, it was a whole presentation. I think it might have even been at like TNC or something. Somebody came and did a whole big presentation on it. It was at something. I think it was a digital marketer thing and they brought a guy and he talked about it. But that speaks to like even marketers too, right? We have like a duty when we're teaching other people to explain this scenario, Mm -hmm. not just be like, hey, here's our top performing subject lines of 2021. Use them and like to refine your strategies, explain why this subject line probably worked. What was the thinking? Like who did you send this email to? And the subject line got like so many more open rates. You know, it's like, I think we have a a duty to explain the bigger picture behind some of this stuff, because like your typical small business owner isn't going to get it. They're not going to see that distinction between like, oh, we sent this to our community of 100,000 people that have been on our list for five years. And it got these kind of stats versus we sent this to the people that have downloaded like one thing from us and have only known us for like two weeks. 
Like that's drastically different audiences and you're going to get drastically different email behaviors. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. But yeah, but with all of that, I think your methodology works because it's it's consistent and people know what they're going to get. And sometimes that's all you want, you know, and actually you might upset people if they open stuff that they thought was something different and you got them to open it and then they feel tricked, <laughs> which is not, yeah, you know, a good thing either. And we we're well, all that happens with everything that you put out. Right. I mean, challenges, quizzes, blog articles, emails, like any type of content you're putting out in the world, if you presented it as it's this thing and now it's something else entirely because you got too cute and they misinterpreted it as something else it wasn't well now you have an unhappy person which isn't the goal right we want to create raving fans every piece of content we put out in the world it only benefits us if it creates a raving fan maybe they don't buy from us maybe they hang out on our list for two years three years i mean i was in digital marketers world for like two or three years before i bought really anything Mm -hmm. And then I did the elite coaching thing when COVID happened. You know, I said that promotion thing again to come back to lab. And then I was like, lab, elite coaching, scalable, founders board, CP. Like I've drank all the Kool-Aid from that point. But I was on your list for like two years, three years before I got to that point. Like people are going to hang out for a while. If you're creating raving fans with every piece of content, by being very clear on what it is, by making sure that you're taking someone through some kind of transformation, whether it's two to two and a half or two to five, like, you're just going to build those raving fans. No, that's, that's a great point. Now, in terms of, uh, say, product and service naming, since you do a lot of B2B type stuff, is that a different process? Or do you still go with the tell people what it is and be specific? Yeah, still tell people what it is and be specific. You can be a little cutesy in the headlines. Like if you go to my own site, like it'll say like, you know, some like specific like consulting. And then it'll say like, get the advice you desperately need. So you can be a little cutesy underneath that, but you've said what it is. You said specifically, this is consulting. And if you're this type of person trying to do this type of thing, looking for this type of results, click the button, learn more. Like it's the same kind of formula ever, every single time. If you're looking to go from here to here, and this is the way that's going to get you there, click. Makes sense. And it's super simple and way easier than having to, well, I think the worst thing people could do is come up with a list of names and then tell their family and friends about it. And like, which one do you like? And they always come up. I've never come up. I've never seen somebody come up with a good name using that process, especially. Well, I, I worked with a lot of brand development. And so they 
what do I name my brand? And I'm like, oh my gosh, don't tell anybody about yeah, this process. Or what do you name your service? Or what do you name your program? Or what do you name your, and then they'll have like 30 service pages on their website. Oh, we do website development. We do SEO. We do copywriting. We do da da da. And I'm like, oh my God, delete all of that. What do you do for humans? If a human comes to work for you, not how you're going to do it, what do you do? What is it you do for them? What's the transformation that you give them? I mean, that's why like my whole thing is I turn superpowers into sales. Done. That's what I do. That's what I do. If you're a superhuman entrepreneur that wants to make money off of the thing you're really good at, that's me. There you go. And so like you can really simplify your service pages and stuff a lot just by getting down to what's the transformation. Who and what are they trying to do? How are you going to change their life? And then you just have a toolbox of ways you do it, right? Your services are never set in stone. We pivot our services all the time. We come up with new things, new ways to do stuff. All the humans that we help come to us with challenges. And we're like, I think I can figure out how to solve that. Let me go over to the digital marketer library and go see what we got going on over there. (laughs) I'm sure there's a workshop or some tool or some something. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I've done something like that before. Let's go do that, you know? And so, like, we want to go put that as a new service on our website. Why? We're still helping person turn superpowers into sales. How I'm going to do it, they don't care until it's time to, like, put it on a proposal and pay me money. And you don't really have to be cute at that point because you've already talked about it. Mm. Well, I I love the fact that it's it's something that evolves because I think everybody thinks, like, okay, I'm going to come up with this. It's set in stone. If I change it, everybody's going to call me out on it and it's going to be a total waste of time or there's, like, a a running dialogue in people's heads that I see going on. I'm like, no, just name it something so we can start promoting it. Yeah, that was something I learned years ago as a marketing agency was it's like I had people that would come to me and they're like, I have this thing and it's really awesome and I want to hire you to help me sell more of it. And it's like, okay, great. Sure, let's do that. And then how many times do we do do that? And then they're like, okay, well, the thing you're selling is not very great. And the people you're trying to sell it to are the wrong people or it's the right people and the wrong thing. And like there's some combination of product market fit that's broken. Now it's like when somebody comes to me and it's like, I I don't care what they do. It's like, what do you like to do and who are your favorite people to work with? What's the most profitable thing that you do that you enjoy doing the most? And who are the people that if you had a hundred of them, you would never cringe when the phone rang, you know? And it's like, now let's talk about which of your products and services, or let's invent a new product or service that's going to help you do the thing you love for the people you love working with to help them. It's like, it's amazing how often we end up inventing brand new products and services that they'd never thought of, or we package what they do in a way that they'd never thought of packaging it because we threw out their playbook and then we can grow their company. Like it's a different way to approach it, but it's very effective because your services evolve. No. And that's, that's such a good point about like, who, who do you like to serve and what do you like to deliver before even thinking about anything else? Because I think a lot of people get stuck into this, like, well, I have to sell this thing because I sell the most of it. I hate doing it. I hate the people who buy it, but you know, I got to make money. And then, they're kind of sabotaging themselves is what you see because they're not, you don't want to sell this thing. You hate this thing. You're, you could sell way more of something you like. Or you have the sunk cost bias. You spend a lot of time and a lot of money making the thing. And now you have to make your money back on the thing. And that's not true at all. Like you got to make your money back somewhere, but it doesn't have to be on that thing. Throw it away, go do the other thing. And it might be the thing that you really love doing. I mean, like you really shouldn't cringe when the phone rings. And another cool thing that happens that I think is this has just been blowing my mind since we made the shift. Nobody like fights back against niching. 
and you know niching, niching, however you want to say it. Nobody wants to do that. You're like, hey, you should really niche into this industry and you should focus. And no, I don't. But what about like I can really help anyone and everyone. And we, as marketers, we have this conversation until oh, we're blue in the, the time, face. Yeah. When I come at it from this direction, I stopped having to have that conversation. They let me niche their entire business, which is nuts to me. They're like really excited about it because we approached it from niching their marketing. Mm. I didn't oh, say you couldn't serve all the other people. Serve all the other people. All you want It's great. But marketing is big. Marketing takes time. It's an investment. It's You're going to spend, I mean, like, look at people that are spending two weeks trying to name a thing. Like, eh, you know, if you can just niche your marketing into, we're going to do this problem for this person, and here's kind of how we're going to go about solving it. Great. Build all your marketing around that. That is And they're like, genius. oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a lot of effort. Yeah, that may, yeah, let's do that. And then we'll do the next thing later. And you know what happens? They don't ever <laughs> end up doing the next thing later because the first thing worked. Yes. It and made they're money. happy and they're busy and they're like, oh, this is great. Like, then they start realizing that delivering the services gets easier because you're doing the same things for the same kind of people all the time. Guess what? You get really good at it. Mm-hmm. You get where you can hire your team. You get where you can train people, where you start having systems and processes and all the the glorious stuff that they teach over on the scalable side starts actually becoming a reality. And they just don't ever build the other thing that they thought was so important before we started. And they've forgotten and they're happy. Like you can get clients excited to niche. I think it's fantastic. Oh man, that is genius. Like that, just that one phrase, we're not niching your company, we're niching your marketing. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm, now I'm fine. Oh man, if I knew that long time ago, that would have, that was saved. Yeah, so the first many hours. time I did that with a client and she was like, well, you know, maybe we could also do this for this person. I'm like, no, 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 remember we're niching your marketing and that would get confusing. She's like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm so glad I have you to keep me on track. And it's like, what just happened there? <laughs> Holy crap, we're on to something, you know? Like, Oh, that's fantastic. fantastic. Well, I'm going to be sharing this directly with the, the certified partners again because we get that. It's just a constant argument. Well, I have this argument with them too, the, the you know marketing agencies where I'm like, you guys got to choose a niche. But if you just say, no, we're just niching this campaign. We're not niching your brand or niching the campaign. <laughs> we're good to go. Yep. Especially when you're doing something like you buy programs like the DMCP or you do the like story brands. I'm like, I'm in so many different programs and it's like, you look the same as every other person. You have to niche something, whether it's a marketing campaign, whether it's, I mean, even just being a personality, like maybe you're just the weirdest CP that there is. And you take on the craziest things that people want to do. I don't know. I have a cape, you know what I mean? Like I have blue hair. I'm weird. You know, everybody's got their little shtick that they do. Oh, no, you know? I, I love you that. You got to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, I always tell people, I'm like, okay, if you're you're an agency or, you know, for me, I was doing website development. If I'm looking, if I'm a doctor in the area and I say, okay, I need a website. And there's a website company that does only healthcare websites. And there's a second website company that says, I do websites. Which one is the doctor going to go with? Like, he's going to go with the healthcare one. It's super obvious. Even if this one's way better and cheaper and it's technically the same company because I had a healthcare brand and a general website brand. They always go with that. And then my favorite (laughs) is when they go build brand new websites for the different things. Cause they're like, well, I can do healthcare and I can do like dog food and I can do like, and it's like, Oh, and then they go build a whole bunch of websites and now they're trying to like, well, I don't know which one to focus on first for when I do a challenge. Should I do the the pet one or should I do the medical one? Or should I, so this is the problem with not niching your marketing down. It's like, if you just pick one, just pick one, just pick one, be the best. 
do your website, do all your funnels, do all the things. That doesn't prevent you from doing more later. It means you have one. You've, you've put all of your effort, all of your attention into one. It's working. Now you can choose if you want. Maybe you can expand. And you'll at that point, you know how to launch marketing campaigns. You could clone the whole thing, give everything new names, but the funnels would still be the same. Give everything new names, new content, and now go after the pet food industry with a whole other website. At that point, you're stable, you're strong, your business is good, you know how to do marketing. Go launch. That's why you see all these serial entrepreneurs, right? Like they did that. They did one thing really well. And now they can go into like a totally seemingly unrelated industry, but it has similar problems and functions in a similar way. And so their whole thing just goes, boop, here you go. I mean, I know Crossum does that. Like he's launching whole marketing agencies that do things for different industries because he's got the model and he can just clone it. So like niching down, it, it doesn't prevent you from doing more. It just makes it easier on you to do something now. Easier and happier. And will serve your clients better because mm -hmm. your processes will improve. So no, that's, that's yeah. excellent advice. So let's talk about your upcoming challenge and how you named that. Well, it's not a challenge, no, but a challenge. we've got an accelerator program. Accelerator program. It's Sorry. superpowers into sales. It's a 12-week accelerator. It is nuts and very ambitious, but it's been working with the people that just came out of the beta group. So I'm excited to be expanding it out. We're literally putting blog articles out for people, doing their speaker sheets, overhauling their entire website, overhauling all of their social media profiles, writing their book and getting it published, building a quiz funnel, and getting them at least five speaking opportunities on like podcasts or stages. So it's so like, it's a that lot in so 12 cool. weeks, but the way we approach it makes it really easy to get it done. You know, we're, we're interviewing you and getting stuff out of your head. And then we're using that. I hate to use the word content repurposing because I feel like it's done really poorly in a lot of different ways, but essentially, you know, we go through your book and we figure out what your main thing is going to be about in your book. We can use that for your blog articles. We can use that for your social profiles. We can use that for your website. We can use that for your speaker sheet and like your core topics that you can speak on. Like it just gets repurposed so many different ways, which lets us do it in an accelerated fashion versus like it would take you three, four years to do all of that normally because you're, you're tackling each thing mm -hmm. at a time. And then over that three to four years, your business is evolving too. So all the things you did two years ago are now out of date. Doing it in 12 weeks like that is just like, boom. You, you look cohesive. It's easy to see that you're an expert at what you do. It's amazing. So I, I'm like super excited about it. I'm nerding out over it. It's been great. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like something I would want to check out because that sounds great. In 12 weeks, you know, I think people think like, oh, that's so long. But it's really like it's enough time where you could get it done. But it's not so long that you'll just kind of put it off until... You know. Well, we're doing it for them. Like, I hate the like coaching programs and stuff where it's like, oh, we're going to teach you how to do all of this stuff and then trust that you can go figure out how to do it on your own. No, it's my copywriters, my designers, my web developers, my people that know how to do exactly what I'm teaching them to do. They've been trained on all of the things. They've been through the digital marketer courses, the story brand courses. Like, they're trained on we're going to help somebody look like they're amazing practically overnight you know, and make them the expert in their niche, like super quick. And we're doing it all for them. The teaching is like, okay, you have a book. I'm going to teach you how to write a book. I'm not going to teach you that you need to worry about copyright for images and fonts for your book cover. Who cares? You don't need to know that you're trying to run a business. You need to know how do you use your book to get sales. That's where the teaching part comes in. The rest of it's done for you, which is what, I, that's what makes me so excited. Oh, that's so awesome. 
Yeah, we're we're actually we haven't announced it yet, but we're coming out with our own accelerator specifically for agencies because we all the stuff that we talked about, I I saw too. You know, how do you grow? How do you start? How do you scale? How do you sell if you want to? A lot of people don't know how often agencies are getting sold these days, and they're getting sold for like ridiculous numbers because apparently everybody loves digital marketing, which is awesome for us. So, well, that's fantastic. I think everybody should check that out. Do you have a website for that, or how's it work? Yeah, superpowersintosales.com. Nice. Direct title, branded, (laughs) (laughs) little cutesy, but that's okay because people trust you at this point. (laughs) Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. Where can people find out more about you or same place? Same place. Awesome. I simplified it all down. I used to have five websites. I pulled them all down into one, drank my own Kool-Aid, got simple. Love it. Love that so much. Usually it's it's like 50, 50 websites, but... Fun. We will include that in the description as well. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe your LinkedIn profile. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on, Christina. We really appreciate how long you've been part of the community. And it looks like you're killing it. So we're we're so happy to see that. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. And tune in next time for more digital marketing tips. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.